Hello Pillorians! Today we are looking at 308, 6 stories about magic. Fucking magician. And magic comes from pain. Trying to tell you, you are not alone here. You love magic. Is it in your soul? Want me to come to Philly with you? Send you an epic quest. It's just a promise, motherfucker. Hello, Dean. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. For people who don't know Dean, uh, they are a player in the other the podcast I'm doing in the D&D podcast about the magician. And they're uh, fabulous. Yes, I am um, Lane in the Magician's D&D. And um, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm happy to be on this podcast as well because it's a lot of fun. So I'm definitely <laughs> excited to be here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm quite excited about this episode because honestly, it's uh, I think it's one of the best episodes the magician have created, like uh, not plot wise, but like cinema wise. Yeah, the whole, the whole moment with Ariet is just phenomenal. That's my favorite part, honestly. I was like, when I first saw that the first time, I was like the silence was just intense and then when the glass shattered i was taken aback i was like oh no i didn't i forgot about sound for a minute that was pretty pretty um it was just really exciting and just really impactful you know yes um but before we dive into the, the episode and um what it is about well I had to think about this, but my partner told me to mention this uh, weird thing that's been happening to me lately with foresight. I've been able to, like, I, I have these small, tiny coincidences that, like, are too specific. Like, I'll think about, oh, there's candy in the aisle over there. I wonder if anybody actually buys it. And then two seconds later, a kid will come up and just, like buy it he thinks i can secretly predict the future or see you know past things and i like to try and predict the future of um different things and episodes of the magician specifically because you know the plot stretches from season to season everything kind of overlaps and um when i was watching this episode it was the first time i had ever rewatched it despite how good it was and i definitely saw a lot of things that were like in your face foreshadowing other events that I wouldn't oh, yes. like that I wouldn't even considered beforehand. So I'm really excited to take a deep dive in there and uh, talk about it. That's a, yeah, that, that's funny that sometimes we have this kind of inner logic that you're like, something's going to happen. And some people have a more gift with, so maybe you're tapping into it. <laughs> oh, maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe I can predict the future in like small little intervals. That'd be really cool. So you're in our next Cassandra is what I'm understanding here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before we uh, continue, let's do the 30 second recap. Do you want to start or do you want me to start? Well, 30 seconds, I don't know if it was enough time to sum up this amazing episode, but I can try. Okay. <laughs> um, there are six stories about magic. 
um, that Penny comes across when he meets, um, I cannot remember what she goes by, but basically older Alice from a different timeline, I'm assuming. Uh, she writes down these stories about the quest to save magic, and it takes place in all the different points of views of all the different characters that are making, uh, that have a significant role in this quest. Um, you have Finn, you have Poppy and, uh, Quentin, you have Alice, you have... <laughs> Is that past 30 seconds? Yep. Oh, okay. I tried. <laughs> so, it's super hard. Especially the yeah. episode where a lot happened, like this one. Like, I, we could have like an entire episode just like recapping it. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna try. So, uh, they are trying to go in the underworld. No, they're Penny's in the underworld and should bring the key that Benedict had hidden. And they have to go in the library to get to the bookworm and they infiltrate it. And we learn that uh, stuff happened. And um, the oh, uh, Julia learns that there's uh, ah, ah, fairies. And Penny's like, I hate fairies. <laughs> and uh, Penny is now stuck in the underworld. And uh, ah, what, what the fuck is Cassandra? Yeah, I don't know. I think <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty difficult to get all those details in there. Yeah. Like I didn't even think to mention the underworld and that was like a like a, a pivotal part of the episode for like, you know. I figured that we could uh, talk about um the the episode with like the stories that we've seen, each story. Mm -hmm. But uh before let's talk about Penny cuz he has his own story. It's just not the It's I think it's like, like the seventh story of the episode. Mm -hmm. And um Definitely. Um, it starts with him, uh, basically go sticking out of the library to go in the underworld library, mm -hmm. and uh, that's and I feel like he's not the only one that did that. And I'm sorry, but offense is not something that's gonna stop people. So, doesn't the library has the foresight of like padding it up a bit more? Yeah, yeah, the library. Yeah, I agree. And I just want to say that I forgot how, like, secretive and, like, I forgot that the library was once an antagonist. Well, not necessarily an antagonist, but in that spot where, you know, they weren't, you couldn't trust them or not. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. And then I was rewatching this and I was like, oh, yeah, Zelda was bad and we didn't know her name yet. You know, like, um... Every, she, you don't know if you can trust them or not. I mean, you can't really trust the library because it's the library, but, you know. Well, that's why they wear gray. They're in the gray zone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then Penny goes to, uh, like, there is a problem with the underworld and they need to have, like, tense waiting for the claim to happen. And the guy say, I can help you if you give me the ending of Game of Thrones. <laughs> which is perfect. Yeah, but I like that the like Penny bullshit and say and like invent a, a a character with eight dragons, and instead of people saying like oh that's bullshit, they believe that the author will have the foresight to like go left when we think they're going right, mm -hmm. when we know that's not what happened with Game of Thrones at the end. <laughs> right. Uh, I like Game of Thrones ending by the way. I personally do not watch or read Game of Thrones, but my partner does, and uh, really enjoyed the ending of that as well. I feel really bad because, like, a lot of people, there's, like, a, 
people who watch The Magicians watch Game of Thrones or vice versa, and it's I'm like one of the few people that hasn't seen it or read it, but I've watched and read The Magicians. You know, I feel so left out. I feel like I should just pick up the series and just watch it one weekend. <laughs> well, it's okay. There's so much we can watch and, and uh, focus on, and Game of Thrones is tedious to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Seems like a lot. A lot to watch as well. Yes, it's uh, seven seasons, so. Oh, man. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah, and it takes you about, like, two seasons to know everyone's name. Oh, wow. Yeah. There must be a lot of characters in there. There is, and there are characters that has names that look like one another, because that's how life is. Yeah. <laughs> it makes things extra difficult. <laughs> Um, so yeah, basically Penny goes to see Benedict, who is upset because he's dead, poor, poor little one. Yeah. And like when he see Penny, he's so delighted that someone came to see him, and it breaks my heart. Yeah, I felt so bad too, because I was like, oh yeah, he thought Penny was his friend, and Penny just came to get something from him. He wasn't just like legitimately sincere to see him and I felt so bad but he did rectify that later in the episode yeah that's what I like about the ending is like Penny like Penny realized uh, that Benedict had the key all along and he goes to um, he goes to, uh, to to ask him but instead of just saying like yo you you uh, doing what Penny would do and say like yo you bullshit me give me the key he comes with a solution, like a friend should do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was actually legitimately a friend, and it's always nice to see those soft Penny moments, you know, because Penny can be a little abrasive at times. But sometimes you get to see the better side of Penny, and it's always so sweet. Penny did did say, like, you're my friend, you're the only person who, died, who, who cried when I died. And it's so yeah. sad for Penny, too. <laughs> yeah, poor Penny. Because, like, I think about it a lot that Quentin laughed. And I feel so bad. Because, like, that was his first reaction. Um, now, this isn't connected, but I wanted to ask you this. Just a simple question. Do you think Penny 23 acts different than the old Penny? Oh, yes. 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 Okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Because, yeah. like... Penny 23 seems a little, I won't say not more caring, but there's just a genuine, like, there's like a friendliness. He's a little more friendly. Yeah. And he's not, and, and he's, even though he doesn't know these people, like he, he knew them in his timeline, he still <laughs> was eager to help them and, you know, help them do what they needed to do, which I thought was really good. Um, and very different from regular Penny because uh, original Penny was a little hesitant to, do that sort of stuff because it was not his problem or whatever. Yeah, the fact that like even Quentin, uh, I don't want to have to beg you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. I I feel Penny doesn't have uh, doesn't have a lot of foresight in this episode because in the end, um, well, let's talk before, let's talk about Cassandra, mm-hmm. uh, which is um the the person that has Alice's face. But technically, she's not Alice from another 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 timeline because Cassandra is a Greek myth. Oh yeah, that's right. She was admired by Apollo in the first. Well, I wonder why they decided to have um to go that route with not getting another actress, but instead using Alice's actress to give her the same face. That's the thing. I think it's gonna be part of either explaining at the end of season five because. As of now, we only saw nine episodes, mm-hmm. season five, or it's going to be in the ether of thing never answers, such as what happened to Hugh's blood. 
with the witch. Oh yeah. That was never explained either. See, there's a lot of things that they just left out or didn't touch on after it was brought up. Yeah, and I think Cassandra will be one of them. Uh, which is sad because I have a lot of questions about Cassandra. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when the, like, the first thing she's going to give to Penny will be the story of Poppy. And at the end, when Penny's like, I need the answer, Cassandra go and give him again the story with Poppy. Because Penny okay. didn't have the like the, the foresight or the insight to actually read what she was giving as an answer, being the answer, and not just like, here's a clue. Because they're so used to clue that she was mm-hmm. actually giving him an answer and he didn't saw it. He had to like reread. Yeah, he also had to get through like a sex scene and he was really like not happy about that. And Sylvia calling Prude, I, I find it funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I feel like it's there, we can read that there are two ways. There's a way of people don't listen to Cassandra, that's her curse. So mm-hmm. even if she gives the answer, people don't listen to her. But also the idea of sometimes you have to rewatch or reread something to get the meaning of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think like like you were saying at the beginning, like rewatching this episode, knowing what we know about the library, oh my God, it informs a lot. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, but yeah, I like that. I, I just like that for once he was giving the answer and yet didn't believe it. Yeah, because they're so used to everything being clear cut when things are like hidden or you have to actually go and get go into and investigate. It wasn't, um, he was like, no, I want straight answers. I don't want any of this convoluted bullshit, you know, he yeah. wanted he wanted to go straight to the point. So he had to do some investigating. I feel like the magicians are very, well, the gang, rather, are so used to, I mean, at that point, they were used to getting everything blatant in their face. Mm -hmm. And so when something difficult came about and they had to solve an issue, it took them longer or it was more difficult for them to do. Kind of like how the, um, the issue of season five, like they don't know what to do about the moon. They thought they had a straightforward issue and they kind of like messed it up and now they don't know what to do. And now they have to deal with the, the um the plant issue or mm-hmm. I don't want to give away spoilers for people who haven't seen it yet if we have you know people like that but like the 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 couple and then the plant they don't know what to do about that because there wasn't a straightforward answer I mean Alice could have given them what they wanted but you know then bad stuff could have happened so like they don't it's harder for them to deal with like bigger issues when it's not given to them it's funny you say that because uh, there's this problem with the, the library right now where Alice doesn't want to help them because she doesn't think that people should have all the knowledge. And in the same time, we see Alice refusing to give knowledge again to the couple in season five. Mm-hmm. Which is really weird considering like she went on, when she became a Niffin, she was obsessed with it, you know? Mm-hmm. She was obsessed with finding knowledge and keeping it to all to herself and going through all it took to find knowledge, get knowledge, obtain knowledge, be knowledge, you know, that sort of thing. And now she's trying to keep it from getting into the wrong hands, which I think is like good character development on her part, honestly, because she understands knowledge isn't necessarily power. It can sometimes be a curse or a burden or it can give someone too much power, you know? At least that's, that's why I, I, I but let's, uh, well, let's go to Alice, uh, Alice's story while we're at, we're, we're, we're on her. Um, mm-hmm. It started with people asking her to solve her mathematical problem, and she said no, basically. And they say, if I give you power, maybe no one should have. 
Um, and then she started to think like maybe nobody should have that kind of power. And this will lead her to, um, to start to say, see people using magic for wrong instead of for good, which lead her to panic and destroy the key at the end. Mm-hmm. And um, I just want to note that at the beginning when um, Katie is translating for Ariet and Alice does their bitchy like it's to whom and not to whom. And um, Ariad says, uh, I said whom. Like, you mm -hmm. can see Alice being startled because she didn't expect someone hard of hearing to be able to talk. Yeah. Which I think she doesn't have the, like, the, the, the foresight of thinking, like, hey, maybe people that have disability can still do part of what they're disabled. Mm -hmm. It's not an all or nothing, you know? Right. I agree. And I think Alice is all about all of nothing. That's true. She is kind of like, I never really, you know, thought about that with Alice before, but it's either do or, like, either you have everything and you do it or you don't have anything and you don't, you know, it's kind of just like a, you know, like you said, all or nothing, which is like a really weird way to think. I It, it limits you, but it also, I guess when you do have, I don't know. I just feel like that's very limiting, and for someone like Alice, I don't understand why she would try and limit herself like that. Because she's afraid of herself. Like in the beginning, to say I don't know what I'm, uh, I'm afraid of what I'm capable of. I never push myself. I think she's afraid of herself. Oh, she might be. She saw what she became as a niffin when she was pure magic. She just tortured for fun. So mm -hmm. I think Alice thinks that she cannot have magic too much because. She did bad things when she had too much of it. So you think she's punishing herself? I think so. Mm. And I think she could. It, I think it's gonna it's gonna be the ending of season three, and then and see like how it affected her friend and how her friend had to lose their memory. That mm -hmm. she's gonna realize what she did was wrong. Yeah. I feel so bad for Alice. Like, okay, I'm going to be honest with you here. When I started watching The Magicians back when I was in high school, Alice annoyed the shit out of me. I don't mean to use, like, I don't mean to be so mean. <laughs> like, I, I thought she had a very cute fashion sense. But aside from that, I was like, you're very arrogant. You don't seem to want to help a lot. And you seem like to be really concerned about the matters that involve yourself and not others. And you don't see past yourself. But she's definitely gotten better over time. And I have grown to like her a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and her character development has been very fun to watch, especially after the whole Niffin incident and seeing how she's grown to uh, help others and be more accommodating and be more part of a team rather than being independent, arrogant Alice, you know? It's really good to see that character develop from her. Yeah, I like this independent. I think Alice went from, um, she learned from her parent to do her thing by herself and in case she had a problem to go by herself, basically, mm -hmm. yeah. that nobody will help her, to trusting that people will help her. Mm-hmm and letting them help. Right. But what's funny is like Alice um, refused to help them create the, the bridge uh, that will lead them to the library. And yet we see the moment, uh, the, the scene right after, we see her doing the map. 
Yeah, we do. And she also is, you know, in the library afterwards. Um, I think I, I think Alice said no, but still wanted to know if she could do it. Yeah, like I thought that was very strange, cause like she's. She already said when she was telling uh, Poppy, she's like, I know how this works. It's not going to work out. But then to go back and be like, well, maybe. Maybe if I do it and no one else does it. You know, maybe that's still uh, not arrogant, but like, I don't know. I guess she wanted to prove uh, that. Endgame? Uh, 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 Avengers Endgame? Yeah, I've seen it. Okay. In the in the in the thing, uh, Scott, um, well, you know, Ant Man says like, "Oh, we could go back in time," and Tony's like, "Yeah, right." And then at night, decide to do it, and I think it's the same thing because like he he just wanted to see if he could, and I mm-hmm. think that's the same thing that happened with Alice of like, I won't do it for you, but I want to do it for myself. Yeah, because knowledge, right? Which leads <laughs> me, why didn't Alice? Alice should have been a knowledge kid. Yeah, I agree. I think that, like, I mean, she has a cool discipline, but I feel like she would have, her quest for knowledge is so significant to her character. I think she should have been in that discipline instead. Yeah, I think uh, she didn't grow in the physical cottage. Mm-mm. And maybe she was placed there by fog because, she, like, they needed her to connect with Quentin and Elliot and Margot and go on the quest to Fillory. Maybe she's supposed to be a knowledge kid. Maybe so. If we're not going with the, like, the book canon of Lev that she is, um, I think that it could be a possibility that Fogg denied Alice to be a knowledge kid. Maybe so. And she's more like Julia than she's like Quentin and Katie. Yeah, that's true. You know, since you had mentioned, you know, you know, going different from the book canon, mm-hmm. um, Penny was very different. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> it was like this goth punk kid, and like, his personality, I mean, he was still like, the guy that didn't seem like he wanted to be there, but like, I don't know, his per, their personalities are very different. Um, Elliot was a little different too. I They're feel all like. different. Yeah. At this point, I mean, Margot and Janet are two characters. Yeah, they're 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 not the same person. Like they're supposed to be, but they're it's not the same. But I still remember reading when when uh, Penny comes to them and say like, "Hey, I found Fillory," and Quentin is like, "Why are you coming to us?" And he said, "Because you're my friend." And and Quentin is like, "What? I thought you hated me." <laughs> <laughs> Poor Penny. One thing I remembered um, significantly, like I can never forget it. I was reading, I don't remember which book it was. It might have been the first or second book. And like something had happened between Penny and Quentin. I don't know if it was about Alice or Elliot or whatever, but like Quentin was legitimately threatening him. It's in the land of um, the first book. Yeah. And I was like, we don't get to see that Quentin a lot in the TV show. Quentin in the TV show is a lot different than book Quentin, I feel like. Yes. And, like, the fact that I, I watched the show before I read the books, so I had it said in my head that Quentin was supposed to be a certain way. And then when I just hear him, like, 
mouthing off to Penny and threatening to like beat his ass. Literally, those were the words he said. I was just like, wow, you're a completely different Quentin. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of Quentin, let me just say, I did not realize how much I missed this boy Aww. until I was watching the season. I was like, oh, it's Quentin. He looks a little sad here, but it's okay. I still love him. He did. I was like, oh, look, it's a tear. Oh my gosh. I was just like fangirling over Quentin for like a good bit. I had to pause it and just like, just think about it. I was like, oh, I need to rewatch it so I can enjoy Quentin again. I miss that, that's what I like about doing this, this show is I still have two seasons of Quentin. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go back to Alice where uh, then she met me, Fan, and I love how Fan always stumble of the flower clock. Mm-hmm. She still hasn't figured it out yet. Uh, it's okay, it's our girl. And um, <laughs> and Alice, like, and then just opened her heart and said, like, everything that's happened to her, like, by losing her daughter and everything. And Alice says, like, Alice seems to listen, but I don't think she was because I said, I, she's like, oh, I get it. I lost my knowledge. That's definitely not the same. She was thinking more around herself. She didn't. She couldn't see past herself and understand what Finn was going through. Yeah, I think she was listening without understanding. Mm-hmm. And Finn called her on that, like saying, "Like, I lost my daughter forever. You have knowledge in books. Fuck you." <laughs> and then she was like, "Oh, I might be drunk." Because she realized that. Yeah, because was- she's not talking like that usually. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that losing her daughter and, and everything is what's gonna make Finn become Finn. Uh, that's what makes her uh, go out of her, her, her shell and explode and become the fan that we've seen season five. And that's mm-hmm. the beginning of her like telling off someone. <laughs> yeah. Which we um, don't see often. Yeah. Uh, and then, like you said, Alice is going to the to the library. And I love that when she was waiting for the librarian to show up, she was just throwing rocks in the book drop because <laughs> who hasn't done that as a kid? Yeah, I did that too. I only did it one time, and then I got in trouble for it. My dad was like, books go here, not rocks. And I had to go and dig out all the rocks. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. (laughs) But, like, the idea of, like, creating yourself again because you're bored. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, um, like, Alice know from the beginning that the library is hiding something because Gavin used magic to break her inside. And... Mm -hmm. The thing is, if despite knowing that they were hiding something, she still asked them things. And I'm surprised by that because Alice is not the, the trusting kind right now. Yeah. She's yeah, she's not. She is uh hesitant, but you know, she has to get all that knowledge even if it means coinciding with the enemy. Mm. She always has to have answers to all of her questions or else you know, she always has, to, or else she'll have a void. She has so many questions she, that need to be answered, even if she has to, you know, talk to the library or talk to the beast or, you know, do whatever mm-hmm. it takes to fulfill that need. Which is funny because she arrived and she kind of had the power of in the conversation saying, like, look, I have knowledge that you will never have. I used to be a Niffin. And I have half of the puzzle that you can help me finish and we can create this grand theory of magic. And Zelda refused, point blank. But mm-hmm. she knows that now that Alice wants something. So she say, no, but 
if you do that, I'm gonna give you what you want. So Zelda managed to shift the power to herself. Mm-hmm. But maybe, like she said, like, oh, uh, your documentation on Niffin has been... Maybe that's not true. Like, maybe she was interested in it. But she decided to, like, take advantage of Alice's needs instead of it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that's what she did. Because, like, the way she said it, it seemed like they might have recorded what she did as a Niffin, but I don't think they have everything that she did or all the knowledge that she acquired. Because, you know, there's some things that even the library can't get to that maybe she could have gotten to. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was just like, no, you can't do that, but you might be able to do something for me. That was an absolute power move. Not going to lie. I was just like, whoa, you go, Zelda. You you do that. I feel that's how Emmett taught her to be. Not like thinking mm-hmm. of season four and what happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's how the library, like the order is working yeah. More than all Ariat is, because we see, see her involved a bit during this episode. Yeah, we do. Uh, well, speaking of that, let's talk about Ariat and Zelda. Oh my gosh. Can Which we talk is, about uh, that scene again? <laughs> one of the, the best moment in TV history, if you want my opinion. Yeah. The idea Very that you just hear a low sound is just uh, so good. Yeah, like the the um hearing the footsteps and hearing them like move around like slightly in the background. Mm-hmm. It it created a sense of urgency for me, kind of like it made things seem more like on edge. You know like how in a horror movie um there's this uh tactic that sound engineers use. They use something called um not white noise, or I think it's called infrasound or something like that, yeah. where it, it seems like silence, but it's actually a noise at a pitch that's very difficult to hear that instills fear or tension or stress in those who listen to it for a long period of time. And for me, hearing the all of that strong silence with little snippets of like the thudding of the footsteps or like the hurried motions or whatever just like made it more significant it made it feel like they were just milliseconds from getting caught it amped the stress and the tension and um amplified the um seriousness of the scene yeah you're right um what i like about about this this is we saw how zelda projected her worry to harriet Mm -hmm. as a mom like that uh that uh, she read enough things to see that bad things are happening out there, and um, and now she imagined them happening to um, to Ariet. And I think parents do all the time that, but Zelda was like projecting her trauma. Oh yeah, definitely. Like we don't know what happened to Ariet, but we know that shit happened, mm-hmm. and. I think Arias is a <laughs> Arias is a result of the shit happening, if you want my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and then <laughs> she's, it's funny because it starts with her uh, Zelda like uh, saying like, "Oh, don't go to Fillory, blah blah blah." Where did you find it? And like Harriet had this like smirk of, "Of course, I found it." And you see Zelda is kind of proud that like <laughs> Harriet found it, but still say like, "Don't go." It's uh, um. It's dangerous. And Ariad says something so beautiful, saying nobody writes book about people who seem to read. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think from the beginning, until like since she was young, Ariad wanted to be something bigger, something more. 
Yeah. And I wonder if her upbringing just drove that instinct or if she was always like that. I don't know. She seemed like a pretty confident kid. So I feel like she might have had that, um, after being in the library and reading different stories of different people, she probably just grew to feel that way um, over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it makes me think of, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame in uh, of Disney, there's a song about like Quasimodo looking down and just wanting to be there, like not wanting to do anything, just to be with people. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm happy that she get to do when I'm going to break bills. Um, and I wonder what Ariette's discipline was. Um, probably, I want to say physical, just because that's the first, like, the first spell she used when she realized the powder gave her magic was, like, a fire spell. So she, I don't know if that's physical or not. Is that physical magic? I think she, yeah, I see her as a physical, too, and I don't know why, because at, at the beginning, it's easy to say, oh, she's knowledge, she's a child of the library. But Ariad's quest for knowledge is not about the knowledge, it's about the freedom of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I agree that, like, most of the spells we see her do are physical spells. Yeah. I feel like she may be, like, a a physical. Um, Was Zelda's discipline ever? I don't think Zelda went went to break bills. I don't think she went to break bills, but even Hedgewitches kind of follow a specific, Oh, but Zelda's a a knowledge. Come on. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are some that are easy, though. I mean, it's easy to say that Hermione should be a Ravenclaw and she isn't. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I I think I, I think she's a she's a because um Zelda value the knowledge in the book. Mm-hmm. Which Ariel doesn't. Yeah. As it's not the same thing. And like I agree that no like that I agree with the idea that giving knowledge to everyone everyone should have knowledge, but I also agree with the idea of um, knowledge. There are some ter- certain knowledge that in bad hands could be wrong. <laughs> I also feel like that, like they're not. That, I agree that knowledge, certain knowledge in the bad hands can be wrong. Like you can give someone the instruct, you can give two people instructions to make a bomb. One person can be like, "Oh, this is cool," and not do anything with it, but the other person might take that knowledge and hurt someone with it. You know. <sighs> but I also feel like there should be. Like, certain people shouldn't have access to certain knowledge. Like, like Zelda was saying, there's dangerous things that kids shouldn't see or kids shouldn't interact with. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, like, people just, like, there's, an, like, an age, like, a maturity level sometimes with certain things, like, certain knowledge. You can be, you can learn something too young and it can, like, really mess you up. Or you can learn something too late. And it can really mess you up. So I feel like there's a, a an age um, factor to it. Who can have what knowledge? I know that sounds silly. No, no, I, I agree. Right now, uh, in the news, there is this app that uh, law enforcement is using that has uh, billions of picture of, of uh, internet pictures. They went like on social media and everything, and grab all the pictures, and it helps them catch people because instead of only mugshot. They have the internet's pictures, basically. And it helped them, like, it, it helped them solve, like, unsolved case from, like, 
five or 15 years ago. Or like mm -hmm. uh, we found a child trafficker because he showed he showed up in a picture in the in the back of a picture of a girl because of that they could identify him and because of that they got him you know so mm -hmm. this is really good but now think of that in the hand of authoritarian regimes so as China mm -hmm. this is dangerous yeah and this is like the same this it it, it it's uh, right now in the news it's a big thing of like should we allow them to have it or to be created or should we just ban this technology because like they say oh we only give it to to the to uh, law enforcement but then it has been shown that they did it to uh, like they gave it to other people mm -hmm. uh so like money always win <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true and i yeah. i feel i feel that 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 I feel it's the same dichotomy of like, yes, knowledge is important, but in which hand? And the thing is also, who are you to say, this is a knowledge you should have and this is a, solid, a knowledge you shouldn't? Right, that's true. Like, people are very, okay, this is going to sound really terrible, but as a psychology major, I will say it, people love themselves Okay, that's not true. But, like, people love things that involve themselves. You know, people are like, I am entitled to this knowledge. But that doesn't mean you are. Yeah. Or you may feel that you're entitled to this knowledge, but what's keeping me from getting it? You know, so, like, if you bring up that debate, everybody will think, oh, I should know this, or I should be able to do that. But, like, in some cases, that's not true. You know, I just feel like um, there's, you, no one should prevent anyone from learning things. But there should be a there should be a limitation on what you learn at what point in your life. But yeah, but the thing is, who decide that and what is their purpose? Because we think that the library is this like entity that believes in knowledge and everything. But then in season four, we're gonna see how corrupt it is and how they keep important knowledge of people, so they keep in power. Mm -hmm. So I think this whole thing is just fascinating <laughs> yeah definitely and i i like i'm having a hard time to be against zelda or against ariette because i understand both their point of view mm -hmm. but if you had to take a side which one would, would you take mm, well i can definitely see like you said both points of view uh harriet's like knowledge is freedom everybody has the freedom to learn what they want experience what they want but i also feel for zelda saying there's just certain things that certain people shouldn't have access to there's certain things that can that, that don't need to be shared but in this situation specifically um i would probably side with probably harriet yeah Honestly, yeah yeah um yeah i feel like knowledge is freeing and i feel like given the zelda is equated with the library i feel like the library is using it for the wrong reasons mm -hmm. i feel like the library withholding information and keeping it all to themselves is a little selfish and mm -hmm. they shouldn't be the only ones that have access to that sort of thing you know so i would side with harriet on this one but that's why I like about um, the discussion about school, because um, the lesson like, oh, I should, you shouldn't go back to brick mills. There's all the knowledge you need here. 
and Arif is like, yeah, but school isn't just about book and knowledge, about making friends, about like having experience, drinking shitty beer. <laughs> and that's something Zelda will never understand, I think. To be honest, I don't understand that either. <laughs> like, I'm in college, but um, I don't, this is going to sound really lame, and I'm going to sound like such a lame person, but I don't experience a lot of college I don't party I don't go out all the time I'm there to learn and I'm there to only learn okay, I was I was like you when I was in college and I'm gonna let, tell you this 90% of what you're learning right now is not useful that's true I believe that but it it shape how you think and how who you are and it like the person I was before going to to college and the person I was when I got my degree are totally different because it broadened my view, my expertise. I met people that had other point of view. We create this discussion and now I have more an academic way of thinking about stuff or like I just don't think think for value. Things that this is what your thought your yes, okay, your thought let's say I break down your thought spell, but it's more than spells is it's like, okay, but like how is it dangerous and when to use it and like if you understand a spell you can apply it to everything else. Mm-hmm. It's not about the spell itself. Because the spell itself, hedges are doing it. And that's their difference between break bills and, and the hedges is break bills, there's this academic way of seeing magic that the hedges doesn't don't have. Right. I agree. But I, I'm saying that as like as I finished my my school. When I was in school, I didn't start that way. Uh, so listen to this episode in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I will. Um, there's something also that we, uh, there's a lot about trust talk between Ariet and Zelda. And I never understand that Zelda never trusted Ariet. I think she didn't trust who she hung around. Because she said that specifically, like when she got that book she was looking for, she said, it's not that I don't trust you, it's just that you have a history of being around bad people. Well, that means that she doesn't trust the judgment. Oh, that's true. But I, um, I guess you do kind of emulate the people that you hang around, so I guess if she feels like she can't trust the people that she hangs around, she can't trust her either. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it that way. But that's something that, and then um, Ariad say, like, I could help, I have friends that could help if you let just us in a little bit and Zelda is like nope and by doing that she pro- like she uh, what's the word she like stop herself to have, of having a knowledge that is non-academic because as important as the way of thinking academic is being on the field and doing stuff is as important yeah definitely I agree and that's why like I don't dismiss the hedges. They have knowledge that the academic brain bill will never have. We street smart. I feel like you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't know how to apply it, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, and it's totally that it's totally that, yeah. Yeah, I wrote that. Like Zelda thinks that what she read is enough to know about human interaction. But it's so complicated that oh, yeah. a book will never show you the whole thing. I agree. I am a psychology major. I'm supposed to be good at dealing with reading and, like, helping people. But, like, you can learn how to evaluate someone, but, like, 
doing all of that requires so much practice and so much social interaction and actually being there, being present. You can't just learn something as sensitive as um, psychology just by reading a book. Like you actually have to like actively do it. Just like a doctor can't like Google heart surgery and then become a master of it. You know, it takes, um, it takes effort and practice and actually doing it just like um being just like zelda telling her why would you need to go to fillory why would you need to do this when you can read about all these worlds here well i can read about going to japan but that doesn't mean like i get the joy of actually going to it experiencing it you know so it's it's very it's very limiting i can understand where she's coming from given that she's a protective mother but like she's also uh not handicapping but like prohibiting her daughter from getting the experience she needs to be a real real a well-rounded person yeah and like after all this talk about trust we see Merit and katie going into the forbidden oh no the precious artifact or whatever mm -hmm. and, and we see aria trust katie to hear what she can't because like mm -hmm. katie like warner like oh wait there was someone coming and aria doesn't like doubt her she's like oh okay and I, I think that's the difference. Like, Zelda would have kind of questioned it. Yes, she would have. I agree. Um, also, I want to mention that Katie thought it, uh, the, uh, the first thought of Katie with the fairy dust, it was Coke. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't that be your thought, first yeah, thought, yeah. too? It's like a white powder in a glass bottle. Like, it wasn't powdered sugar, you know? But why did Arya try it? I don't know. She probably was just like, oh, I went to college too and drank shitty beer. Maybe I can, you know, see if this is like cocaine or not. I think that's part of her needing the knowledge. Like, that's her mother's rubbing off a bit. She needs to know. Yeah, she had to know what it was. At her own health detriment. <laughs> mm -hmm. But after that, like, we see, um, like, Zelda and Arya like being confronting to one another and Arya, uh, Zelda say, I don't want to hurt you. And that's why we see how much Zelda love Arya. Despite mm -hmm. everything, there is like a, a, and it's weird because now Arya is older than her mom. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Like, I know time is different in the library. Like, she mentioned that in the episode. She's like, time, you know, time goes by differently here. Mm -hmm. um, you come out of a fountain as a grown adult, you know? Um, I, I forgot this because I'm not very attentive on my first run of The Magicians. But when I watched it the first time, I equated Zelda's style with the 50s and the librarian's whole thing with that time period. But I had never... Uh, considered that she was actually from that time period. I thought that was just her aesthetic. And then when it, when it had the um, time period of uh, when um, Harriet was a child, I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense that <laughs> she's from that time period, you know? And I wonder how long she had worked for the library. Because, like, Harriet looks to be 13 when we first see her as a child. Zelda seems to be about the age to have a 13-year-old. And then, you know, as Harriet gets older, Zelda doesn't age or whatever. But I was just thinking, like, if she, I don't think she would have had the child and then worked in the library. I think she might have brought her, like, she might have, something might have happened. Maybe she had to make a deal with the library after seeing that trauma that she saw. That mm -hmm. might be why she's there, you know? Yeah, that Harriet was not born in the library. 
Mm-hmm. That makes so, sense. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just curious. I wonder how long she's actually been there. I would like to know more about what happened to Zelda, to be honest. Yeah, me too. Um, well, let's go with another story. Uh, what do we have here? Elliot and Margot's <laughs> super slow, uh, slow, short. Um, I just like this line about how Fillory saved them. Mm-hmm. And now it's just time to save. But also how, like, Mar- Margot is kind of, like, dissociating in that that moment. Yeah, I felt that, honestly. I was watching her, and I was like, honestly, Margot, if I was in this situation, she feels betrayed by her people, you know? Yeah. She probably doesn't have... She's probably not as patient as Elliot, and she probably wasn't thinking... She was probably thinking, like, why do I have to be here? Why do I have to defend myself in my own kingdom? I did everything I could for these people, and now they're turning their backs on me. She probably didn't um, want to say the wrong thing and left the diplomacy to Elliot. Because, I mean, he's definitely a little more diplomatic than she is, all things considered. And um, she was just kind of like, I was watching her the entire time. I had to rewatch the scene. And I was like, she really looked like she was having a hard time being there. Oh, yeah. She was not the the person defending Margot. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's the thing, uh, Penny say like, oh, I don't care about them and uh, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't realize that they're going to need Elliot and Margot to finish the quest. Because they need to go back to Whitespire and they need like, without Margot and Elliot, the quest cannot happen. And yet, Penny, since he needs the one key and not all of the key right now, he just needs one key. He doesn't see on the long run how... Margot and Margot and Elliot are needed. Yeah, he's not looking at the bigger picture. Yeah. And uh, um that kind of reminds me of the episode that follows where um they weren't focused on doing things as a group, they were doing things individually and trying to help themselves and everything and um and they forgot Josh. Yeah. Like, I may not be Josh's number one fan, but I do like him as a character. And I was like, you guys left him out. And like, there's a there's a group unity that just seems disconnected sometimes because not all the characters are around each other all the time. So when they are together, um, like that, it was it was we're not talking about that episode, but it was really cool. But in this one, I feel like they're all working separately. Yeah. And it's not efficient. You know? Mm. No, you're right. Because at the end, like we see all the all the story, and then the the episode finished with them meeting before they leave the library. Mm-hmm. And you're right that we end we end up understanding that them being in the library at this point in time was for different reasons. Yeah. And and when uh, Katie was like, "Wait, Penny," and Quentin said, "We don't have time." It was Quentin putting his priority before Katie's. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about Finn. Oh, poor Finn. I felt for Finn in this episode because she had to push her feelings aside to try and help Julia. Mm-hmm. And she must have been hurting, you know? Like, she just found out about her child, and and she was... Despite this, 
she her reaction when she saw the fairy on the the cutting board with her leg missing she was she had forgot it looked like she forgotten all of that because she's a genuinely good person she pushed everything she had aside to help her and be quick to be like who did this to you we have to go we ha- we have to help you you need help yeah like she saw everything but that's the thing Ken usually when she wear bright colors and in this episode she wear gray and I think that shows where she is emotionally mm-hmm. or she's tame and then um yeah, the whole thing with Irene, uh, uh, like Irene arrives and then sees um, Sky, and she doesn't have the the foresight to say, "Oh well, Sky was the head was down low, so she must have been in submission." She was like, "No, she's uh, she's manipulating Irene, and Sky is in power because mm-hmm. she's so like mind driven of her experience with the fairy, which I'm not saying." It, it's wrong. I mean, that's what she she seems very do, do. But the idea that like what you experience with one species is not all species. Like what you experience with one person of color is not all person of color. That is very true. <laughs> I um I get that a lot. I don't want to be political or anything, but like I get that a lot as you know as as a person of color. Someone might have their assumptions about me, and then they get to know me, and they're like, "Oh, well, you don't act that way," and I was like. Well, there's no specific way to act. I'm just being me. You know, you can't you can't equate one person's actions with how everyone in that specific group is supposed to act. You know, it's just not fair. You yeah. know, I just want to say, um, Finn was very fashionable this episode. Oh my <laughs> she was uh, just wonderful. I'm always like, it, like lightened up when I see Finn, like, she's just a cheerful, wonderful character, and I always love seeing her on screen, but to see her in mourning, basically, that's, that's what happened, and to remember all that she went through, she had to go through the issues with Elliot, and then she lost her child, and, and now she has to work with the people that stole her child from her, mm-hmm. it's just so much for her, and I really feel for her. Yeah, and you can see her, like, not wanting to have compassion for the fairy, because she say like, they're better off as slave, and, like, Julia has to snap her out of it, saying, like, Fen, nobody deserves slavery. Yeah, like, no one is better with and slavery. I think this idea of, like, her being, like, Julia snapping her out of it, maybe, what is the reason why she decided to help Julia? Because I don't understand why she accepted since she just, like, her baby just died, and she say that to, to Julia, and Julia said, yeah, but we need to help the fairies. And I felt that Julia was guilting her into doing it? A little bit. But now I'm thinking maybe also she's saying like, oh, Julia reminded me that slavery is not a good thing um, for anyone. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should follow Julia a bit. Because that's the beginning of their friendship. They don't know each other, really. No, they don't. Which is like, one thing with the magicians is it's, it, there's so many characters. They, they're it's very interesting to see how they interact with each other because they don't like we don't see certain characters interacting with each other a lot despite their roles in the show and i feel like seeing julia and finn interact with each other was like really interesting to uh see um one thing um i want to mention while we're talking about julia when i attacked the theme of foresight to this episode i was thinking about foreshadowing Mm -hmm. and um 
Julia said that she had this one spark of magic and she wanted to use it to help people because the more and more she did, the more stronger that spark felt or better the, the I, it alluded to her, her goddessness, her godhood. Um, and I was like, wow, I was like, I didn't catch that before. Cause you know, what finally, you know, made her a God or be seen by God to a group of people was the fact that she used her magic to help the trees yeah. and like, but to have the power to help the trees and yet to help the fairies. Mm-hmm. And it was just really interesting to see that was like, that alluded to that moment. I was like, oh, I see what they did there. Okay, cool. It was really, you know, going back and watching and seeing these little things. And one little thing, I did not mention it earlier. I don't know, it doesn't necessarily foreshadow it, but it does explain some things. Poppy was very eager to see the bookworm. She was in the book shoot and she was looking at the book sh- when they were in that room area where they were looking for the key. She was more focused on that book shoot than she was looking for the key once she gave up. She wasn't focused on Quentin. She wasn't focused on anything but looking at the book shoot. You can see her looking behind her often. And then she looked so disappointed when she couldn't see the bookworm because the bookworm was gone or asleep or whatever. And she looked super disappointed. And I was like, well, this makes sense for the dragon egg episode. Honestly, I should have noticed it before. She is dragon obsessed, even with like those small snippets of like her expression that she has there. She's just that. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. No, you're right. I and mean, then I didn't notice that part. That like in my head, yeah, Poppy's there for the dragon, not for Quentin. But you're right that it shows her obsession. Mm-hmm. Also, can we talk about uh, we saw Finn to be mean for like one minute and it didn't last? <laughs> yeah, she was like. It was short-lived, but definitely justified. Yeah, like, you have to talk to me. Oh, shit, you're a slave. <laughs> like, I didn't want Julia to be right. Yeah. But that's the thing. Sky say, no, I'm not a slave. Um, Irina is eating, hiding us from magician. And now we... Uh, so they don't see themselves as slaves. So mm-hmm. someone lied to the fairies give them and i'm wondering if it's the McAllister that give them that light or it's just the the fairy that we're going to meet in in the 3010 that made the fairy deal and has been there from the beginning and he's the one that cut people's head off and i'm wondering if it's him feeding that light to the other fairies for them not to be as miserable maybe so or is it an idea of like if you don't know you're not a, you're a slave, you cannot revolt about it. I feel like that, and they're probably like it, not like coping with it, but that might be their way of dealing with it. it. Was like, oh no, we're not slaves. We're legitimately helping someone that's protecting us. That just might be, you know, what they're telling themselves in order to not, you know, uh, address the situation. And um, also, if you don't know the position you're in, you don't really expect that person to get out of it they're not aware of what they're going like you said they they won't revolt if they don't know that they're being you know held as slaves so um i know they're definitely being manipulated that's oh, and, and i think we can see fans heart melt a bit when um she says uh can we talk again tomorrow because mm-hmm. i i think was genuinely excited to talk to a non-fairy because I don't think the McAllister talked to them. They yeah. give them orders. Yeah. So someone asking, like, hey, what's your name? And, like, 
I think like that was new for 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 Sky. Yeah, she definitely seemed, despite Finn's hidden aggression, she definitely seemed pleased to like talk to her and get to talk to her again. Um, because it was just, it was probably just good to actually talk to a person rather than just standing behind them in submission waiting for orders, you know. Yeah, and I think that's why that's the moment Finn understood that oh, those fairies are not like the fairies of Hillary. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because we um. Basically, um, but it's not funny, but uh, Sky has to go because she's going to be late for something. And then uh, we cut and Finn let her, let, let her pass. And then we cut to the next scene where they were, they were looking for Sky because she didn't show up. And they go in uh, where um, they found her being, have her leg amputated. And so basically she was late for being tortured. And there was no way Finn could have seen that. Yeah. Because I'm sure, like, if Finn knew, she would have said, like, no, 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 you're not going. I feel like, yeah, she would have, even though she was apprehensive to be dealing with fairies again. She legitimately didn't want any harm to come to her because she was was in a position that she didn't deserve to be put in, and she wanted to help her get out of it once she realized. Um, And the oh, shit, you're asleep? (laughs) Yeah. She, um, that probably was what she was going off to do, honestly, which is sad. But that's the thing. And also, like, Julia realized, okay, what I sniffed was the fairy powder. And, but not having, not having time to ask questions, because basically, Aaron said, like, it's now or or I'm I'm leaving, don't ask questions. That led her to take something that she, she probably wouldn't have if she knew what it was. You think she would have declined it if she knew what it was? Yes. Okay. I, 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 you don't? I mean, she probably would have thought about it for a minute. She probably would have thought about it longer than... Because, um, like, you know how Julia is with magic. Like, there was a point in her life where she was, like, she got she had magic and then she lost it and she felt like she wasn't anything without it. So, like, it's kind of like Alice's um, thought for knowledge. She needed magic. Alice needed knowledge, you know? They would have done anything they could to get it. And I feel like she she might have declined it, but she probably would have thought about it for a while before declining it. She probably yeah, would have taken yeah. a moment to just think and just like, is this really worth it? You know? Yeah. But so. the fact that she didn't ask, it's a bit like we're, we're talking about the library and realizing of like, what knowledge is it good for you to know or not to know? Like, Irene was like, oh, if she knows it's fairy magic, she won't take it, so I'm not going to tell her. But who is she to forbid Julia to have to take this moral choice? Right. Um, that was very interesting. You brought that up when Zelda said she asked her, "What is this?" She's like, "You wouldn't want to know." And that again is Zelda trying to protect her. Mm. Um, but also, do you think if she had told her what it was, she would have taken it with her? Do you think she would have, like, taken the briefcase with her, Harriet, if she had known, if Zelda had told her what it was? You should see my face right now. Uh, that's a fucking good question. I think so, because she thinks, I think Harriet knows what knowledge and magic can do when others don't have magic. Mm-hmm. I think Harriet is all about giving to everyone and not just one thing 
keeping it all. So I think she would have distributed the magic, like she wanted to distribute the the, the knowledge. But I, I don't know what that's cool. So you think she would have given it to other people knowing what it was? She would have told people what it was. And you think other you think um, other people would have taken it knowing it was? Well, that's their choice at this point. It's true. not her forcing her, forcing them to take. She, look, I have this piece of magic. It's rare, and you can take it, but no, it's from a like an instinct race, basically. Of well, believed to be instinct race. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, finally, the only, I, I have a bit about Poppy. We talk about a lot about um, her obsession with um, with the dragon, but also I, I, I realize our Poppy is all about saving herself first, mm-hmm. except when it comes to Victoria. Yeah, she was like, you got to come with me. And then when she was like, no, I have to save them. She's like, all right, do what you need to do. But she was very eager to get out of there so she didn't have to be in that situation anymore. She... Um, but she even at the right. beginning, like she says, uh, I don't think the, uh, I don't think this bridge is worth Victoria's life. And I think people, well, um, Quentin and Katie were seeing Victoria's sacrifice as kind of normal because they both had sacrificed something. Mm-hmm. Katie sacrificed Penny, and Quentin sacrificed the mosaic, basically. Mm-hmm. So I think. For, yeah, everyone has to do like, but not understanding that what was Victoria was doing was really, really dangerous, and I don't think they understand it. They probably have a very skewed sense of danger, considering all the situations they've been in. Mm-hmm. Like, um, they probably think something like a mirror bridge is some is simple compared to what they've been through. Uh, they've had to battle gods and they've had to prevent worlds from being destroyed or whatever. But they probably don't. They they probably think it's small fry compared to what they've been through and didn't even think about it. Or they were so focused on their goal, they were like, "What's one more sacrifice?" You know, which I know isn't necessarily of you know something that their characters would do. But I just feel like they weren't. They were more focused on the goal rather than focused on what it would take to get there. Is that the means to an end? Yeah. Um, another thing is like Poppy. What I I have a problem about Poppy is that she re- like she said like oh I reject the idea of a hero. People always want to try to change, but I'm not changing. And she used her bluntness and as, as an excuse for being rude instead of using it for power like Margot. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and if I get <laughs> if if people get mad at me, <laughs> that's fine. But I will be the first to admit that Margot's crassness is not my favorite. No, me. <laughs> um, sometimes it takes me out of the moment that I'm watching because what she says is so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And when Poppy was talking to Quentin, some of the things she said, I was just like, okay. <laughs> Um, you reject the hero, you only want to, you know, better yourself to be your best self, not for other people. I'm like, okay, cool. But you're a jerk. Yeah, you could be a little nicer, you know? I think, that's the thing, she she used her bluntness as like, oh, I'm just being me. No, you're just being a, like, no, you just decided not to be civil. Right. You make the conscious choice to be, like, to actively be just like, 
for the lack of a better word, a dick. Yeah. Like, she just, <laughs> she, it's not an excuse. You can't say, oh, that's just who I am to excuse, you know, negative behavior. You have to understand how it affects the people around you. And if you make people uncomfortable or if you're just rude to people and distance yourself from people by the things that you do and say and make it, it's 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 not a valid excuse. It's um it's not great to be around either. Mm-hmm. So I'm just um Poppy's crassness or bluntness is a lot different than Margot's. Uh Margo <laughs> sometimes I feel like Margo uses it as a defense mechanism and also as a way to seem stronger in the moment than she is because like if she has the strength to say some crazy shit like if she has the power to say what she does and get away with it then I feel like she uses her words for power a lot mm-hmm. um and Poppy just uses it as a just to build a wall between others in my opinion yeah and to hurt without yeah to hurt without consequences as well mm-hmm. poppy will tell alice that they're better than edges basically because uh, alice say oh a bridge is ahead used by hedges blah 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 is poppy right to say we're better than ed- a- a- hedges and it's foresight of look you're gonna do it we're like we're smart or is it just plain discrimination I feel like it's discrimination. I think she's just discriminating them because of their education. Mm. Like, we've seen what hedges can do and how beneficial they are. And just because they have a different education. Like, look at Julia. She started off as a hedge witch. And look at the knowledge that she acquired and the skill that she had. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not fair to discriminate against someone based on their education. Someone could be smarter than you, but just didn't get the same education that you did. But that doesn't make them any lesser than you. There's like a... Oh, I'm sorry. Um... They, there's there's a I don't know if it's elitism or what it, but like for the students there's this for the students that go to break bills they have this feeling of pride that just takes over and just you know well I'm a magician I was classically trained I went to break bills and you're just a hedge that learned your skills you know from a website or from some second rate blacklist student uh, not blacklist um break bill student that um just so happen to sell you a spell you don't know it like I do you don't experience it like I do mm-hmm. and it's just like it's it's um you see that in the real world a lot not gonna lie yeah I was thinking about that how even within it I'm gonna put that in quote educated people the, the college you're going means a lot oh yeah like I um I'm sorry to be talking about myself so much but um <laughs> I go to an HBCU, which is a historically black college, mm-hmm. and my initial choice was to go to uh, not a private college, but a bigger, more well-known, more expensive college, but my family couldn't afford it. I couldn't get the scholarships I needed to go for free, but at the um, HBCU, I was able to go for free, but whenever I tell anybody where I'm going to college, there's always this weird feeling of like, oh, that's where you're getting your education. I'm like, it doesn't matter where I'm getting my education. It's the fact that I'm getting the education. You know, you can't judge me based on what school I went to because that's not fair. Like any school can give you the same education and you can't just like use your bias to justify being rude to someone who didn't get the same education at the same place that you did, you know? And I feel like that's what Poppy's doing and it's not fair. And uh, finally, Last thing I had is uh, the library had the foresight of spreading a lie about the knowledge battery, 
and they had so people will not look for their fairy dust and that is so fucking smart oh yeah it's brilliant <laughs> you tell one lie to get people to not look at the other lie that you told you know yeah it's uh, oh. I think like that's how technically magic or um, illusion magic works in the muggle world like they mm-hmm. distract us with something while doing something else Oh, yeah, like, magicians will try and be funny, make you laugh, or have flashy things on stage to distract you from what they're actually doing, and I think it's really smart that they do that, but it's also, you have, it requires a lot of skill, because to distract someone from what you're doing by giving them something else to focus on is not easy. I mean, they're gonna do it also in, in season four, because while Emmet is working on getting all the magic, is distracting everyone on focusing on the magic they can have and not the what the magic left when they're doing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I have for my notes. Um, are you ready to move to Lecture Divina? Oh, yes. All right, so Lecture Divina is a practice when to read um, a text as sacred, there is fourth step that we're going to go together. And uh, for that, we use a, a sentence from the script. I'm going to scroll down and, uh, and chose at random. Under the circumstances, it seemed worth it. Mm-hmm. Under the circumstances, it seemed worth it. So first step, uh, what is literally happening right now? Um, it's okay if you don't know, because I'm going to have to read too. <laughs> okay, what scene was this in? Was it from Quentin? Oh, okay. It happens when uh, Poppy st- st- uh, steals uh, Alice's notes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she's like, uh, Quentin is like, it's not a good idea. And Poppy say, under the circumstances, it seems worth it. Uh, second step is allegory. What story does it remind you of? Hmm. I had to think about that one. Under the circumstances, it seemed worth it. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, it reminds me of something that happened later in The Magicians. Uh, in season, I can't remember what season. What season are we on? When Quentin, um, I feel like that's something he would say, given what he did. Mm. Uh, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it. <laughs> okay. Um, it's just that I don't want to start an hour debate. Oh, time. no. Trust me. You won't get any debate out of me. Um, Quentin sacrificed himself for magic, for his friends, for everything. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you asked him, like if Penny went to the Penny 23 went to the underworld, found Quentin, was like, hey, bro, what's up? And he'd be like, under the certain circumstances, I think it was worth it, you know? I feel like he would say that. Um, I also feel like people tend to forget the consequences of their actions when uh, times, when there's a lot of pressure on them, or when it seems to benefit them. Like, um, some of, I can't think of them at the top of my head, but some of the things that Elliot and Margot do seem a little sketchy, but at the time seems like it was necessary for the sake of fillery. Or, um, I'm terrible at explaining things. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's super clear what you're saying. People tend to 
forget the consequences of their actions when uh, they're in trouble because right then and there they just need to get out of trouble even if it means getting in trouble later. Yeah, it, I'm going to go dark a bit because for me it reminds me of uh, the Second World War, uh, the Nuremberg um, trial where basically uh, the capos, like the leads of the, um, the, the, the camps were asked, why did you do it? And a lot of them said, I did it because otherwise I will be dead mm -hmm. or they will hurt my family or um, it was that, or uh, being in the camp. So like under the circumstances, it's immortal. It doesn't mean what they did was right. And doesn't forgive them, but the choice they made was made out of the circumstances they were in. Right. I don't know why I always go to World War II. I have personal experiences with this. Um... Well, that's the third step. What does it remind you in your life? Okay. I don't know how personal it's okay to get. You do what you want. Okay. Um, a few months ago, I was hospitalized. Mm -hmm. And I was scared. I went to my therapist and she suggested that I be hospitalized. And I didn't think of, like, what would happen um, afterwards. But at the time, it seemed the help that I would get and the treatment that I needed at the time going to the hospital seemed worth it. But after I was released, I had a few consequences that I had to deal with that kind of made it seem like I should have uh, maybe gone to a different option or done something because uh, one, it was expensive because American healthcare sucks ass. Sorry for my language, but um, it was very expensive. It made looking for internships and jobs very difficult because it's now on my record. Yeah. it made some of my friends a little wary of me and they didn't know how to interact with me and it also kind of hindered one of my relationships and like I am glad I got the help that I needed but I feel like at the time it was worth it but now I'm I wish I had done something different you know because of the things that followed afterwards um, as someone that has been as well I'm gonna tell you Friends that remove themselves from you because of that are not your friend. Yeah, I definitely realize that now because um, I'm still me. I'm still the same person. I'm just dealing with things in my own way a little differently. But It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know that now. <laughs> D from like a few months ago didn't realize that was okay. But um, now I'm realizing that now that I'm older and wiser and, you know, seeking therapy, uh, I understand that it was okay what, that I did was good because I'm alive because of it, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just uh, your actions really do have consequences. And I didn't really realize that until that was that big moment when I realized that, honestly, despite my age. <laughs> being an adult now and you know that was one of my biggest moments where I realized wow what I did had consequences and I'm gonna have to live with that and you know forever yeah I just want to tell you that I'm proud of you for doing it and the consequence that you're gonna have as someone that did it too the longer you're you're gonna step away from it 
the better they're going to be because there's good consequences in that. The mm-hmm. fact that maybe you're cleaning with your color friend is a good thing. Yeah. I feel and- like, um, I'm sorry. I feel like uh, keeping that friend in my life would have been um, a detriment to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I do miss my friend, but I don't think it was a true friend considering, you know, everything that happened. You can miss the friendship, but it's hard and like, it's easy to say that as someone that is out of your life, like daily, but getting away from toxic people is hard. Oh yeah. It's, and I, it, it's, and takes a lot of work. And the fact that you acknowledge that someone is toxic is the first step to it. Mm-hmm, definitely. As long as the first step is realizing the problem before you can attack the problem. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, what it reminds me in my life under the circumstances is seem worth it. Um, I was thinking of of my, um, when I was in turn two, so let me try it. Okay. (laughs) When, (laughs) sorry, when it was time for me to have um, uh, an internship, when I was studying politics, I wrote to every political party there was in Quebec and said, I really believe in your uh, party. Please use me as an intern. (laughs) (laughs) And finally, there was one that was center-right that took me on it. And uh, it was their first big campaign because uh, they were just starting. So they were a small team and having someone that they can work for, but they were really happy about that. And now um, that party is now the leading party in my uh, in my um, province. Like it's, it's the Coalition Avenir Quebec, the CAC, mm-hmm. and the CAC is now like our prime minister is the person I helped during that time. And at the t- I, I don't believe, but they I, I did believe some of their things, but then they became racist and xenophobic. Oh, so I kind of stepped away. But at that time. The idea of working for them seemed worth it, and it did. Like I got my credits, mm-hmm. but when it was time to go in the real world, I realized, oh, oh no, I don't want that. I don't want to work for a political party. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's it's strange. All sometimes you think you're making a decision, thinking, oh, it's gonna do that and that and that, and like you said, the consequences or the result of it is totally different. Definitely, yeah. Okay, so, okay, so the first step is what do you feel called for? I'm going to start maybe to help you. Um, I feel called for to still continue to have, to take those kind of silly risks of writing to a political party and tell them all that I believe in them, but also take care of myself. Um, you reminds me that sometimes taking a step back and looking at your life is important. Oh, yeah. And who is in your life? Mm-hmm. And I feel called to do that. Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like um, doing what I did really helped me realize what was going on in my life and who was in it and what to do to better it. Because this year has been difficult for me. I'm College is burning me out. I'm at a college I don't necessarily want to be at. And my mental health has been down the drain. And um, going to seek help really did help me uh, better myself. Despite the consequences, I grew from it. And uh, I feel like even now, 
I could have handled it better, but I still think it was the right thing to do. So. The rose and the the flower in the vase. Sorry, it's an expression my grandma used to say. So it's a, don't give a backhanded compliment, such as um, you're intelligent for a person of color. That's a very backhanded compliment. So you're intelligent, but you the, that's the flower. But the vase is for a person of color. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> that's what my and so we're gonna do that. Uh, we're gonna give a kudo, a thumbs up, a good job to a character you think in the episode did well. And we're gonna give a vase to the person who needs one in the face. <laughs> um, personally, I believe that... Who well, who did good in this episode? Hmm. That's a difficult, that's a difficult one. Even though he had very little screen time, I do commend Elliot because he put his issues with Fillory aside in order to help him better Fillory. And um, he had so many issues with it, as he said. He's like, it smells terrible. Everything is backwards. Indoor plumbing is a joke, but Fillory saved me when I was drowning. You know, uh, I commended him for that because that was a very powerful uh, moment for him. I would also like to commend um, Poppy for the one good thing she did, which was trying mm -hmm. to save Victoria's life. And I'd like to commend, I'd like to commend Penny for going back to Benedict. Because that was, that was a really nice touching moment between them in Penny's own way, where he legitimately yeah. felt as though he was his friend. Yeah, he came back with more than just like it gives me the key. Mm -hmm. And who do you want to throw away then? Well, I want to throw a vase at many characters in that show. Penny for being impatient. Poppy mm -hmm. for being Poppy. Quentin mm -hmm. for um not really he doesn't he felt like he didn't want to be on the quest in the first place because mm -hmm. it, he felt as though it wasn't his role to take which is fair but like I don't know, he seemed like he didn't want, he didn't seem to be taking full responsibility, which I know seems silly because he is on the quest doing stuff, but he just, he didn't seem all in. He seemed hesitant and not sure of himself. And I don't know, that was, that's just, was really frustrating. I'd also like to throw a vase at uh, Zelda. She did a wonderful job. The actor did a wonderful job, but the character just so secretive, being overbearing and overprotective of her daughter, not really. Um, and of course, her connection to the fairy dust and everything. But if I had to choose, the face would be thrown in the face of um, Poppy. I agree. Uh, for me, my flower will go to Fen to forego her pain to manage to see others. Mm -hmm. uh, she could say, oh, I'm in pain too, so deal with it. But she decided to help, and it's not unknown that I love Fen. <laughs> um, <laughs> and my vase will go, hmm, like you say, a lot of people, but I will have to see Benedict. Really? 
for manipulating Penny because he was alone and scared and I think we could have handled it more if we would have just said I know like it's easy to say because but like knowing his upbringing and how he was told never to talk about his feeling but if he would have just said hey Penny I have the key but I'm also lonely can you help me yeah it would have caused a lot of less problem and Victoria and Ariette wouldn't be dead uh, thank you so 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 much to uh, join me. Is there anyone you anything you want to plug before we go? Um, I'm a little jealous. I didn't get to do the musical episode, to be honest. <laughs> But no, I had a really great time, and I really appreciate you inviting me on. And I would love to do this again with you sometime. Of course, and uh, if people want to. Uh, follow you or uh, tweet you. Where can we find you? You can find me at Size T on Twitter. Um, that is P S Y C E D underscore T um, on Twitter. That's pretty much the only social media I really use. I'm also the same on Tumblr, but instead of an underscore, it's a dash. I don't really use Tumblr anymore, but you can find me there. And um, yeah, if you want to hit me up and talk about the magicians or anything, really, I'm always available. Just uh, let me know. Amazing. Well, thank you very much once again. Thank you. And uh, have a wonderful day. All right, you too. It was good talking to you. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. This has been Philorian United. Once again, thank you, Dee, for joining me into analyzing six story about magic. If you want to follow us, just go on Twitter at Philorians with an S. And to support the show, we are now on Ko-fi uh, at Ko-fi, ko-fi.com dash Philorians United. Now the secret at the end of the show. Apparently, they had to kill Victoria because the actress got a read in another show, so it's bittersweet, but we're happy for her.